0: But uh, it is a parable that, you know, last week, you know, we talked about the prodigal son, and this week is, a, is similar in theme because it also talks about an inheritance. And to kind of set the framework for what we're going to be talking about today, I'd like to read two sections of scripture. The first is Luke 12:24. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then, if you will, turn over to Matthew 6, 19 through 21. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So now the parable that we're going to be looking at is actually found in Luke 12, beginning in verse 13, and it's the parable of the rich young fool. Luke 12, 13 through 21. So then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? Then he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose things will be be which you have provided. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So we can see here while Jesus uh, was talking with his disciples, he was interrupted by a man who asked him basically to judge on an inheritance. Then it says in verse 13, Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And I think it's interesting if you look at that, And also take into context what Jesus was talking about earlier in the first part of the chapter of Luke chapter 12 here. And when you do, you can see that this comment, in my opinion, is kind of random. It really had nothing to do with what Jesus was even talking about in Luke. So let's go back to the beginning of Luke to kind of give a little bit of background information here on Luke chapter 12. And Jesus starts off in the first three verses by warning against the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. It says, in the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they had trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will be known therefore whatever you have spoken in dark will be heard in the light and what you have spoken in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops and then we can see going on and looking at verses 4 through 7 Jesus is talking about or teaching there about fearing God he says, and I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more than, let me start over. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear, fear him who, after he is killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But the very hairs of your head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. And then he goes on in in verses 8 through 12, and he's talking about confessing him before men, and he's also talking about the Holy Spirit and blasphemy about the Holy Spirit. He says, and I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him, the Son of Man, will also confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. Now, when they bring you to the synagogues, And magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So if you can picture that, Jesus sitting there with with his disciples talking about these things. And then you find in the next verse, this guy just pops up and says, then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to, de- imbide, to divide the inheritance with me. What does that have to do with anything? It really doesn't, does it? And it just goes to show that this guy's thinking or his thoughts were not on those things that were spiritual. It was on those things that are material, which is why Jesus then leads into the uh, parable that he's going to be teaching here about the, the rich young fools. So hopefully... That sets a little bit of the background about it. Any comments before we go forward? All right, so as we move on, we can see that Christ rebuked him, indicating that his purpose did not really include dealing with those things that are of civil matters. We can see in 12.14 But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? So we talked about in our last lesson when we were talking about the inheritance and the prodigal son and you know how he wanted his early that the Jewish law pretty well dictated how an inheritance should be divided. And who remembers what we said about that? The oldest son gets a double portion and then it's equally divided among the other sons. So I guess if you're a daughter, you just kinda miss you kind of miss out, don't you? But um But anyway, so it should have been very clear how it should have been handled, right? The oldest son should have got a double portion, and it should have been distributed evenly among the others. So I think it's somewhat obvious here that we're probably dealing with the younger son in this parable, and he probably wanted a little bit more than just his portion is what it kind of sounds like. Yes, Jeff? Yeah, and I think that's exactly right because, you know, with his divine insight, he's seeing right into that man's heart, and he's seeing that, hey, you want me to judge on something that I didn't come to do. I come to seek and save the lost and to the, and the teach, teach the gospel, not to tell some guy to give you more than what you deserve or to to judge in these things about material goods. Yes. Yeah, and it's crazy. I mean, I know, you, know you're know you right, um, and I even have known some people that, yeah, it has divided families, and uh, and you know, it's not really yours to say I want anyway, you know. So, who are we to tell somebody how to do their will? And, and like I said, when you're really <coughs> focusing, and we'll, as it's pointed out here, we'll see, as you're focusing on material things, you're really missing what's important in life it's not the, the material things it's the spiritual things so as we said the lord had divine insight he pinpointed the man's spiritual problem which was what it was covetousness that's really what he what he had an issue with here and it says that one's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses in 12:15 it says, and he said to him, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the, in the abundance of the things he's, he possesses. And I think there's some lessons in us today because we live in a, in a society, I think, where we're, we're very blessed and where I think, you know, if we compare ourselves to any other country in the world, even the poorest people in this country have abundance compared to many other people in the world. And I think we have a tendency to judge people at times based on what their material goods are, and we have to we have to be careful of that because I know we we are really <laughs> a blessed people living in a blessed nation, and I think sometimes we take that for granted, and it can creep in and and be an issue for us if we're not careful. It, and what is covetousness? I mean, it can be one of really a couple of things. It's a desire. Right, a desire for what somebody else has. You have something, and I want it, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it. But it also talks; it, it has to do with greed, right? And that's what we'll see through, through this parable. The people that have, a lot of times, are never happy with what they have. They always want more, more, more. And no matter how much they get, they think, if I can just get a little bit more, I'll be happy. Then when they get that little bit more, They're still not happy so it's just kind of like you said wanting what somebody else may have but it's also the fact of not being happy with what you do have yeah because you know as we see happy happiness is not found in material things right yeah not to get off on a tangent but that's in my opinion half of what's wrong with society you get people so obsessed with their job and worried about the next promotion, worried about you know getting the raise, they're so consumed with work that they're not raising their kids. And then the next thing you know, their kids are in trouble or their kids are grown and they really don't know their kids. Um, they're strangers. So, And it's because they focused on those things that really aren't important, which is their family and those spiritual matters. Because at the end of the day, and I've, I've seen this with, you know, we had a, a CEO. He was a great CEO in our company, and he was there for 30 years, and, and, and he retired about two or three years ago. And he's a great guy, but guess what? Our company is still running. We have a new CEO, and bus- it's business as usual. We're rolling. So, you know, 30 years of his life, but, you know, he did retire for the right reasons. He retired a little bit early, Um He wanted to spend time with his kids and grandkids, that type of thing, while he still had life, you know. So I kind of respect that and that fact. And as you see, a company keeps going. There's no one person that's going to stop a company from running. But so many times, that's where we put our efforts, you know, in today's society. Yes, that's true. There's nothing in itself wrong with riches. And that's what we'll see as we go through this parable here it wasn't the fact that this farmer had riches is what he did with them and what his attitude was towards them. And uh, that's what we'll, we'll bring out here in just a second. So good point. Yeah, we don't have to be 100% poor to go to heaven. Um, although we do know it's tougher for a rich man than it is for a poor man, as we're told in the Bible. Um, but it, it's all in our attitude and in how we look at things. So Jesus then tells the story of a rich man to illustrate his meaning. It says there was a man who for many years appeared to be making a lot of money. We have a farmer here, um, and it says one year he had a crop that was in, in abundance compared to what he had had before, so much more so that we can see he really didn't have a place to put it all, did he? And that's where the problem kind of come in. So I think, you know, we were talking about there's nothing wrong in itself with riches. The man, it looked like he earned earned his living doing a legitimate business, which was farming. And he appeared to be very good at it because it looked like he had accumulated wealth and to the point that this, this year here, he had abundance. But his sole disposition, though, is to determine how he may retain every bit of it for himself. That's what he was concerned about, and that's where the issue comes in. Let's look at Luke 12:16 and 17. It says, Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? And it says, So he said, Uh, Moving on to 18, he says, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store my crops and my goods. So in his selfishness, he declared, verse 19, So you have much goods laid up for many years. Take it easy. Take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. So you kind of read through that, and you kind of get a feel for it. But I want to go back and reread. Those three verses, 17 through 19, two more times. And I want to read them, and I want you to think about this time as I read it, and I'll bring it out. The personal pronoun I is brought out six times in verses 17 through 19. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he says, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. There I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Kind of gives it a little different perspective, doesn't it? Now let me read it again and think about the personal pronoun my is used five times in here. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he says, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. So you can see, as many times as he used the word I and the word my, other people have never entered his mind at all through this whole thing, has it? So, you know, you think about, yes, he had abundance. But what if if he just said, hey, instead of tearing these barns down and building bigger, what if I were to help out the orphans? What if I were to help out the widows? What about my neighbor who may not have had as good of a crop? What if I were to give some to them? They could store it in their barns. And these other folks may have been thinking, how am I going to feed my family? How am I going to feed my kids? But he was worried about I and my. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard the, ex- the expression, me, myself, and I. It was all about him, and that was his problem. Absolutely. And um, as we keep going here, we're going to bring some things out related to that. So appreciate you bringing that out. Yes, Fred. You've had notes the whole class. I've been waiting on you. (laughs) And the thing is, he didn't do it all himself. I'm sure he had people working in the field for him, right? He never mentioned, well, maybe I can help those that helped me from seed time to harvest time. Never even mentioned the people that helped him grow this abundance. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's the whole point. It it brings out his heart and really what's important to him. What's important to him is the material things, the riches, accumulating wealth for himself. He could care less about anybody else from what we can see here in this parable so far. And I think that's really a good point, you know, what it's bringing out here. Yeah, and that's, and, and it's interesting, and I'm glad you brought that out because in one of the commentaries I was reading, one of the guys was bringing that out that we live in a society that is just that. So it's become so acceptable in our society, we don't think nothing about it. We read the Bible, we see, you know, that fornication is a sin and um, drunkenness is a sin, and we see all these other things, but we kind of skip over this one because it seems so accepted in the society that we live in that it's really no big deal, right? It's just the way things are. And that's what he was trying to bring out. So I I think it does send us a word of caution. Yes. Yeah, you've heard the expression, keeping up with the Smiths. Well, not everybody can keep up with Frankie and Cheryl. So, right? Yeah. But, okay. Well, that's the way I heard it anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But that's true. I mean, we're all... We see somebody else having something, and we want more, don't we? But yeah, you're right. We probably throw away more food than some people eat in a year's time. Um, it's, we are truly a blessing. F- well, that's the destruction of a lot of people, right? Because that just goes to show that material wealth doesn't lead to happiness. Because think about how many people have won the lottery, have gone from nothing to something, and they can't handle it. And it's the destruction of them. And um, that just goes to show it's not found in material goods. Well, Jeremy, and then we'll go back. Okay. And we're going to find that out here in about the next verse or so when we talk about eat, drink, and be merry because he left out one part. So, yes, Jeff. Let's look at verse 20. Um, it says, But God said to him, Fool, that night your sh- soul will be required of you. Then whose things? Be which you have provided. I'm not sure if there's any other time, and I looked and I couldn't find it. And you may know, Jim, but this is the one time that I see that a pacific individual was, was called a fool in the Bible. I think it's one of the few times. Now you may see general reference the fools, like in Psalm 53:1, it says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You may see a general reference. I'm not sure there's that many times when a Pacific individual is called a fool like this man here. Yeah, I I tried to do some research on that after I saw that, and I couldn't. it (laughs) It would be a foolish study. Yeah. But think about this, too. No one's ever that I know of needed a dollar beyond death. Anybody you know of that's needed a dollar beyond death, kind of hard to take it with you, isn't it? So says, we are warned in Mark ten twenty three. how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God, kind of going back to what we were talking about before. There's nothing wrong with riches in itself, but it's the attitude associated with those riches as like what we see here. Ecclesiastes 5.13 says, There is a severe evil which I have seen under the sun, riches kept for their owner to his hurt. And that's exactly what we see here. Riches kept to an owner for his own hurt. And in Psalm 39.6 says, Surely every man walks about like a, like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. It says "But this fool here, what Jim brought out a minute ago, he forgot that the earth and everything on it belongs to who? God. It it belongs to the Lord. Uh, Two verses associated with that is Psalm 50. In fact, let's just, we got, we got a, I'm just going to read it because we're going to run out of time. I think if we start flipping here, Psalm 50, 10 through 12, for every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains and all the wild beasts of the fields are mine. And that's basically saying God created it. It belongs to him. Haggai 2.8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. So the money's his, too. The gold, the silver, the money's his, too. So Jesus concluded in Luke twelve twenty one, So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So we can be the same way, right? We can be that fool if we're not laying up treasure towards God and we're so worried about laying up treasure for ourselves. And you know, there's nothing wrong with being a good uh, farmer, having foresight, trying to plan ahead, hey, if I need barns or whatever, that's just part of planning. But we cannot forget God when we're making our plans, and that's exactly what has happened here. James four thirteen through 15 says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there. Buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is but a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you want to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or do that. It was never if the Lord wills in this parable anywhere, was there? Or any thanks to God whatsoever. So in the last four or five minutes that we have here, want to look at a a few more verses and bring out a few points just for emphasis sake a lot we've already talked about but we talked about that covetousness is a common and it's also a dangerous sin in the society that we live in Ephesians 5 3 but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness let it not be named among you as is fitting for the saints and that's talking directly to us Don't let it be named among us. Don't let it be an issue for us. And as we said, it's easy in this society to fall into that trap. But we're also reminded that things are necessary for living, but they do not make a life. Material goods don't make a life for you. Um, Now, there's no doubt that some material goods help you get through life. We all need a certain amount, but it can't become our obsession to the point that we shut God out we shut others out and that becomes our priority because we can see that one may be wise in material things and a fool in spiritual matters and that's so true and that's like Fred was I think mentioned we try to keep up with the guy with the big house on the corner it looks like he's pretty good in material things right well that's going to vanish that's going to be destroyed uh, you know, where moth and rust destroy, where fire will, will take it away. And then when he dies, like we said, nobody needs a dollar beyond death. So he looks very smart when it comes to material goods. But what about the spiritual goods? What's he doing for his spiritual life? And that's really what it's saying here. That's where we need to place the emphasis. Yes, sir. You, you can't buy spirituality either. You can't buy your place in heaven. Yeah. Also, we know that eternal investments are better than temporal ones. Matthew 6, 33 reminds us, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Then we also know that our lives should be lived one day at a time. We may not live for as many years as we think we have. Psalm 99 through 10 says, For all our days have passed away in your wrath, we have finished our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yes, their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. And that's true. We're only here for a short amount of time. Some, just like we were talking about with the lottery, sometimes the things that we treasure can be our undoing. And we can see that in First Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from their faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And as the first verse that we read uh, when we started the lesson, Luke 12.34, it tells us that the soul of man cannot be satisfied with material things because it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if your heart is consumed in material things, there's no room for spiritual things. You know, we're, we're told we cannot serve two masters. And it says that our security must be in God and not in things of this world. John 16.33 tells us these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And one thing I did want to point out that I must have overlooked it when we were going through it, but 1 Corinthians 15.32 says, If the dead do not rise, let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. And that's the part that the rich man left out, for tomorrow we die. He didn't have any plans for a funeral for the next day, did he? And he had all these riches, but what he didn't have was time to enjoy them so and that's something that we have to remember we don't know if we're going to be here tomorrow the lord may come this afternoon i mean we can be gone in the blink of an eye so we have to live each and every moment like it's our last and not take for granted that we're going to have another year or two years or 20 years on this earth we don't know so put your thoughts and your focus on things that are spiritual and not things that are material and i think that's what it's trying to really bring out to us today any other questions or comments because I know we're out of time here appreciate your time